Hey everyone, before this podcast begins, we want to tell you about some other arts-related podcasts you're going to love. They are The Conduit Music Podcast, Artsville, Gringo and the Man, Art World Horror Stories, and Not Real Art. On these action-packed podcasts, you'll hear experts talk about creativity, design, the music biz, the art world, visual art, American craft, Chicano art, street art, graffiti, and even stand-up comedy. So be sure to find and follow these great arts podcasts today. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Warning, the Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us, so thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com, sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and art lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive $2,000. You can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press, and you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Okay, people, today on the show, we have Daryl Slayton. Daryl is an artist from Asheville, North Carolina. He's not just an artist. He's a storyteller. He's an illustrator. He's an animator. And he is a credible creator of characters who have such a positive energy and bring his unique vision to life. And you need to check out his work. Go to talesofwhimsy.com, T-A-I-L-S. So it's tales, not tales, but tales, T-A-I-L-S of whimsy.com. And you'll see his work because it is just incredibly charming and smart and family friendly and good for adults and kids alike. And he's also doing a lot of really cool things with augmented reality. Uh, of course, he's starting to explore the NFT space, but he uses technology to animate his work. And it's quite cool. So be sure to check that out. And if you find yourself in Asheville, be sure to visit his space, the Artsville Gallery in the Marquee property there in the River Arts District. Google it, people. You'll find it. But without further ado, let's get into this with the one and only Daryl Slayton.
Daryl Slayton, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Man, it's such an honor. We've been talking about this for quite a while, haven't we? Yes, we have for, you know, couple months, I guess, or more. And, you know, it's it's a miracle. As busy as you are and as busy as everyone is, myself included, it's incredible that we actually can find time to sit down and talk about our passion for art. Yes. And it, and it, take, it does take passion to do this. I've looked for a cure for it, but I just haven't been able to find it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we've we've met in recent you know years, uh, not, not too long ago now, and I have just come to really appreciate your work. Tales of Whimsy, T-A-I-L-S, not T-A-L-E-S, people, but Tales, T-A-I-L-S of Whimsy, talesofwhimsy.com. I mean, the characters that you bring to life through your art are just so, I mean, they're just so needed right now. They, ju- they just make, yeah. uh, they, they just have such positive energy. Yeah, that's been one of my goals because there is so much, I mean, there was negativity in the world. And of course, now there's a lot of, an awful lot of strife and worry. And I mean, it's, it's, it's getting worse. So when I do have visitors down at my gallery space looking at the art, I do get that comment a lot about how this is just so much fun. Even when I've gotten one of my characters, Gallagher, who is a young tiger, even when he's pretending to be a superhero, when he's, being nipped at by alligators. It's all in fun. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> no biting, no limbs lost, anything N- like nips that. Nips of nips of love, bites of love. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, <laughs> no, I, I do get that from a, a wide a range of, of viewers, from the very young to young hipsters to you know, older generations. They just appreciate the fun and whimsy of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have so much to cover and, you know, we're going to go, I'm going to bounce around a little bit because, you know, we're going to talk about your art and your process and your journey and all the great things you're doing now, because of course, like so many artists, you are embracing new technologies as well. I mean, you're embracing augmented reality. You're looking at NFTs. So there's a lot to talk about in terms of your, your art practice, your career, and how you are getting your artwork out into the world and spreading that positivity. And I really look forward to getting into that. But I also want to point out, though, before we talk about all that great stuff, is that you happen to be based, of course, in one of my favorite places in the world, Asheville, North Carolina. Yes, we are in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of Western North Carolina, and we are an arts in crafts town, it's very freewheeling and very uh, liberal, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's just a tremendous amount of wonderful art up here, and some great, great people. And you, and you go downtown or any place, you will see women walking around with pink and purple hair, and those are the senior citizens. So uh, it's uh, it's just a great blend of people. Well, one of the things that I love about Asheville and the things that I've heard uh, uh, over the years, even before I visited, was that, you know, such a great community of, of, of artists there for you, you know, so you're not alone, right? I mean, part of the, 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 the challenge of being an artist is that often we toil in solitude, <laughs> right? In our studios. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, oh, you know, yeah. maybe it's hard to find the community of, of like-minded creative uh, artists, but there you are in Asheville and there is a vibrant, robust, uh, dense community of, of artists there. So you have uh, your, your colleagues and comrades uh, right there, you know, surrounding you. 
Yeah, we've got everything from high-end artists. Of course, we have some high-end galleries, and then we have you know independently owned galleries, artist galleries, and workspaces. Uh, we have a group of comic illustrators, and you know it's just across the board. Yeah, incredible, incredible. So, how did you end up in Asheville specifically? I mean, I I, I believe you were born and raised in North Carolina, correct? Yes, I'm a native North Carolinian. I grew up uh, right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had a outdoor antenna back before there was cable. And I was able to tap into our local TV station. It's local to Asheville because uh, they had the best cartoon shows uh, in the mornings and they would have the best movies in the afternoon. And of course, on Saturdays, they had shock theater. So they had, you know, all the Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman and mummy movies and stuff. Whereas in Charlotte, they were showing, you know, Rock Hudson movies, which, you know, for a kid, you could care less about that. Right. So these were, so these animations, these cartoons were, I'm guessing some of your earliest influences. Yes. And of course that was back during the time when TV stations had a lot more independent programming. Mm. So, you know, I'd be watching cartoons from, you know, the mid thirties and had no idea that, you know, as far as I knew, they had, you know, made it last week when you're a kid. So, so I'm watching stuff from the mid thirties and forties and fifties and, you know, it was just all the same. So yes, there is a lot of influence there. And also with the earlier cartoon animations, they really have lots of flights of fancy, lots of whimsy, and it's not all of them had villains. You know, there, there wasn't uh, always, uh, you know, Elmer Fudd with a shotgun or there wasn't always, you know, Tom and you know, there were other things other than Tom and Jerry. So, you know, there were little bugs, you know, playing violins and dancing and, and lots of uh, gentle, gentle humor, which did have an impact on me. Of course, I like action-packed stuff, too. But. Of course, of course. Well, you know, when you're a kid, right? I mean, growing up like that, it, it's you, you, you just, you, you watch what's on TV, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Sure, and, yeah. and, and, you know, based on my research, you were the youngest of four boys, right? Is that for five boys? Yeah, I was probably very youngest. Yeah. My brothers were, my youngest brother to me was 21 years older. Right. So you were effectively an only child. Yes, effectively. And some of my contemporaries were my nieces and nephews. Yes. So I had a a nephew that was two years older than me. (laughs) Did they call you uncle? So I have to be careful now. And I say, oh, yeah, I remember back when uh, I was taking a bath with my nephew. People (laughs) were like, really? (laughs) I was like, well, no, wait a minute. We were were right the same age. So, yes, be careful yeah. with that bit of, uh, yeah. of, of, of of expression. Yes, that's right. We, these are sensitive times. We don't want to trigger anybody. <laughs> Absolutely. Who's this perv? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but you had grand adventures, it sounds like, based on my research growing up, uh, where you did playing Pied Piper with your with your friends and your nieces and nephews. Yeah, sure. We would all get together and you know, we would play, you know, whatever you know, we'd just seen on TV whether or, or the movies, whether it was a Ray Harryhausen adventure with, you know, Sinbad and Jason and the Argonauts, or if it was Tarzan or Robin Hood. And, and of course, I had every toy sword, every toy gun, which, I mean, these things looked real back then, which, of course, you don't want to do that now, of course. But, yeah, I mean, I even had one of these cowboy belt buckles that had a derringer in the belt buckle. And if the bad guy got a drop on you, you would push your stomach out 
and then the gun would pop out and shoot the bad guy. <laughs> this is that's this is like amazing. Right out of that, is, that is that is <laughs> I think they did that, that is in such a, a toy a for Kip for boys, and you know, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, so. So, Daryl, I'm sorry, but I, I, I get the impression that you're like a lot of artists I've known and I've met over the years. I'm getting the impression that you, like like them, have still not grown up. Oh, uh, here you are. Absolutely not. <laughs> here, here you are, you know, so many years later. Uh, we won't say how many years. Right. That's not, it's nobody's business. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bunch. It's <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. I always tell my my lovely wife because she didn't have as much fun as I did growing up. That it's never too late to have a happy childhood, and I always try to remain childlike, not childish, but try to keep that childlike wonder yes. of the world around you, and always look for humor. Sometimes I have to rein myself in because I see. <laughs> humor when perhaps I shouldn't, or I do see it. And now I just acknowledge it. I, I, I do the humor with my inner voice. <laughs> right, 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 right. That, that's the sign of maturity, before. right? You learn, oh, no, no, I don't say that. You know, yeah, right, don't exactly, say that yes. out loud. Right, <laughs> it's right, funny, right. but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just fantastic because, I mean, here you are as a young kid growing up in this idyllic circumstance, you know, rooftop antenna and all. And you are, you know, being inspired by these animations. Uh, you're having these grand adventures with with your friends and your relatives in the woods. But of course, like so many artists, you start drawing at a young age. Uh, oh, do yeah. you remember the first drawing you ever made? The first one that I remember was in the first grade, and it was, we had one of these activity books, and we were supposed to draw what we had done over the weekend. Well, my mother had taken me to a toy store. So I drew my mother, me, a sales lady, and then I drew shelves of toys. And my teacher, Ms. Lancaster, was so impressed with it, she took it to the principal and showed it to him. And he said, hey, job well done. And I thought, hey, there might be something to this. <laughs> this, this, this drawing bit. So, yeah, that was the first thing that I, that I remember. So you were you were the kid in class that everybody went to 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 have you draw their their animals yes, that or giraffes all the way through high school. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got a lot of the uh, free hugs and bags of cookies. Mm, yeah, <laughs> under, right under, under right. the table because <laughs> we couldn't well, let so, the teacher know that I had drawn them. Right, right. Well, you know, so here you are now in Asheville, so many years later, and you're pursuing, you know, your art, your personal vision for Tales of Whimsy, and you have stories, you have worlds, you have characters, you have all of this amazing content that you're bringing to life. But this is a f kind of a second or third life for you because, like again, like so many artists, as I understand it, you sort of initially came through the commercial art side. So you yes. were a creative director, an art director, illustrator in corporate America, uh, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I spent uh, 20, 25 years doing that. Of course, we had some big clients. I started off small, but then I worked for some uh, a small company, small multimedia company in Charlotte. And then it was rolled up into a large multimedia company. back. That was the buzzword back 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, so we had, uh, I did characters and trade show animations for some big companies like Ford Motor and Komatsu and AT&T, 
a number of others, also some uh, smaller companies. And when, when I went out on my own after the dot-com bust, I did some characters, animated characters for some uh, regional theme parks and uh, tourist attractions. And that was at a time when there were real nice budgets for projects like that, right? I mean, my friends in the commercial art game these days complain about clients and their, in their frugality, wanting something for nothing. Yeah. No, there, there was, they had some, they had some real money back there because these trade shows would be huge events in Vegas and New York and New Orleans. And yeah, there was, yeah, they, 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 uh, they spent money freely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's good. And so you were on the corporate side or were you on the agency side working for corporate clients? So were you a corporate? No, we, we were on the agency side. You were on the agency side. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. See, I never had a job at one of these big companies. At oh, good for you. Good good for you. We would have multiple projects going at the same time. So we, we had a, I remember we had a one big trade show in Las Vegas and, you know, we had like four different projects for, you know, for IBM and you know, a number of others at that trade show. So, yeah, we would all work on, we just, we just did work for those companies. Right, right. Well, and by the way, I mean, from what I hear from my friends, you know, who are still sort of in that world, and you probably are hearing this from your friends as well, but now a lot of those corporate clients are bringing design and, and creative in-house Yes, and are acquiring some of these agencies. And so it's a different ballgame out there now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have heard that. And any number of, uh, I, I was just uh, talking with an old friend uh, that I used to work with just a couple of weeks ago and he was lamenting the changes and the challenges that exist in the uh, commercial art world now, corporate art world. So in the, in the time I spent sort of preparing for our little chat today, something caught my attention I wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. because there was a sort of reading some, something you'd written about how Gallagher sort of revealed to you that, you know, that, that, that his, his, you know, it's particular uh, character and nature. And I don't want to say too much because I want to, I want to hear it in your own words, but explain that to me. How did Gallagher reveal its true nature to you? Okay. So Gallagher, he's one of my, my earliest drawing of Gallagher goes back about, well, you know, this is, we're coming, hopefully we're coming out of COVID as we record this. So, you know, there's, you know, a lot of people have kind of, the last two years have been kind of a blur, but Gallagher has been around for about a year and a half or so. And again, he is a young tiger. The look and feel that I have for him is retro cartoons. So it is a blend of the mid 1930s cartoon animations with a little bit of the look from 1940s and 1950s comic books sprinkled in there. So when Gallagher, when I first conceived of him, he was going to be a, basically a two-fisted adventurer, still a nice guy, a good guy, but he was going to be faced with many dangerous challenges. And once I learned about augmented reality, which was just in June of 2021, and I already had a number of these images drawn, and I thought, well, I need to use augmented reality, which uh, currently I'm using a company out of Vienna, Austria, called Artivive, A-R-T-I-V-I-V-E. And they have a free app for people to use, put on their smartphones or smart tablets. 
And when they aim that at the artwork, it will, it will animate on your, on your screen. So when I started doing the animations, when I started conceiving of the animations, and these were of artwork that I had already created, some of them, just the way the artwork unfolded, I thought, okay, he's not really a two-fisted adventurer because the adventures, this antics that he's having here are sweeter. And the more I looked at him, he had to develop in my mind. So you hear about writers sometimes, they will say that the character begins to dictate to them what the character does. Would this character steal an apple? Would this character, you know, slap somebody? Would this character steal a car? Or, or, or would this character stand up and lead a, lead a prayer group? You know, so they, they know, they let the character talk to them. And it was over a process of time, over months, that Gallagher did slowly reveal himself to me. I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but but it's true, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's the creative process, isn't it? I mean, you know, yes, I, I, you it know is. in my experience, you know, in my experience over the years working in the arts and in, in commercial art in particular and design specifically, you know, you 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 often tell people, well, you know, I have to let this marinate. You know, I have to let this, yes. you know, like we have time. You have to good art, good design needs like a good wine needs time to breathe, man. You know, yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of obviously of the, of the old stuff. And I have a, a number of collections of uh, Pogo comic strips and also the adventure strips of like Alex Raymond's uh, Flash Gordon, which were fabulously illustrated. It was all adventure. And in the history of the comic strip, Back in the day, in the newspapers, you know, they would devote uh, half page, three quarters of a page, a full page to comic strips. I mean, to a comic strip, you know. So it was, it was a, a piece of art, really. So you know, I, I was influenced by that. So that's what originally led me down the path of him being an adventurer. And then I, you know, he, he just revealed himself. He just became, he just became too cute and too cuddly. <laughs> yeah of course after i've done a fair amount of cute and cuddliness i have to go watch a, a war movie or something to <laughs> sort of balance things out, you know <laughs> well but so but so much i mean listen i mean it, as an artist right i mean your art and so, as so many artists i mean the art your your artistic expression is sort of a, a external expression of your internal self in so many ways i mean so you know if if that you know, with that in mind, I mean, how much of Gallagher is you and, and how much are you of Gallagher? Like, I mean, where does one stop and the other start? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've had a number of people say to me over the years, you know, when I create uh, any character, it was like, oh, this looks like you or. And, and there is definitely a sweet and caring side to myself, <laughs> except when I'm driving and I, in the traffic, I would get a little. Nothing, not road rage, but I will. Uh, like my, <laughs> right. my darker well, side. traffic I've heard in Asheville is 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 quite uh, maddening these days. So, <laughs> and yes, it is. So, how much of Gallagher is me? And yeah, I, I would say a fair amount because I, you know, I you know, growing up and well, even as an adult, you know, you want to be James Bond, but in reality, you're more. Or for me, you know, I want to be James Bond, but I'm really more Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> I'm more the guy who's you know pants get get caught on a hook and I'm you know, all the way on it. or you know or I you know you fall down a manhole or something like that 
So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's slapstick. That's You're slapstick. James yeah, Bond slapstick. is not slapstick, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. But you know, I, I, with, with Gallagher, he does have his, I'm developing his, uh, his world now. Um, so he does have his gal pal Gallagal. And he also mm. has his big buddy Pudwick or Puds for sure. And he is a displaced polar bear. So, and, and as I'm doing more art and I'm starting to do actually like animated comic strips as a piece of art, like a big Sunday piece of art, you know, 18 inches by 24 inches or, or bigger. And so, yeah, there's a lot of fun antics there. So, you know, Gallagher's flying an airplane or he's, he and Gallagher are rescuing a whale that's trapped in a, in a, a discarded uh, you know, fishing net or something. And then there's also this incredible whimsy where Gallagher is flying on the back of a bee. So, and I'm not sure at this point if he's flying on a giant bee or if he reduced himself in size so he could fit on the back of a bee. So with, with the Gallagher and Gallagher, their adventures are a little more mm. just fun. But when it comes to Gallagher and his relationship with Pudwick, it gets a little more into some environmental themes and also a little bit more philosophical in a way, a little bit of a, of a examination of life, if you will. So they're going to, so there they're going to be, uh, actually, and a lot of people look at Gallagher since he is a young tiger. I've had a few people tell me he looks like a young Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes. And of course, I'm the big fan of Calvin and Hobbes. But uh, yeah, he, he, to mm-hmm. me, it's like, no, I, I took pains to make sure he didn't look like anything that existed. You know? and, and also, as part of the creative process, and when, you're, when you are creating something new, I had read years ago that when you're doing something new and it's deep and there's a lot of layers to it, you also want to include something that is familiar, something that mm-hmm. reminds somebody of something from the past. I've had some people in the gallery say, oh, your artwork takes me back to my childhood. Others would say, this reminds me of something, but I don't know what. <laughs> but they're happy about it. So and that's, and that's the good thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so, so to the extent, though, that you know, your characters in Gallagher in particular are, or you know, you're using these characters to talk about you know, bigger issues or the human experience or what have you. I, I have to ask, I mean, we're coming out of, I mean, it's March of 2022. We've come out of a incredible two or three years for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which was a global pandemic of, with COVID. I mean, did COVID impact the lives of your characters? I mean, has Gallagher changed or been impacted by COVID? I don't think so, uh, at least not on a conscious level for me. I mean, the the one, I've heard a number of artists say this too, that the one good thing about COVID is that I had a built-in excuse to stay in my studio. <laughs> Honey, we can't go out. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go to the movies. We can't go we'll out. We'll die. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> is that cheeseburger really worth it? <laughs> yeah, wait, we can't go out to dinner. Honey, we'll die. I'm just going to stay here. Exactly, and yes. <laughs> So yeah, I, I, consciously, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that COVID impacted Gallagher or anything. It, it just gave me more time to do mm-hmm. for him to tell me who he is, for me to, you know, let him marinate. 
Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that that's that's so cool. Well, I, w- I want to explore a little bit more about how you're embracing augmented reality because you know more. I mean, what's happening in tech? I call it art tech. You yeah. know, when what's happening in the art tech space is so exciting on so many levels, and it's early days. I mean, it's you know the tech is yes. one thing, but doing things with it is another. And and so we're early days in terms of where this can go. And of course, artists are going to be the trailblazers and the pioneers and the, the the vanguard of a lot of this stuff in terms of pushing this tech and this plat- various platforms and things. But you recently embraced augmented reality, which and I've had the opportunity to see your work because you've been so generous to send me some and share it with me. And I've, I've used the app and I've looked at this stuff. And I tell you what, it absolutely is an exponential. I mean, the experience of it is uh, it is what's the word? I mean, it's like a, you you. It's exponential. I mean, you just yeah. uh, it, it it's it's two D versus four D as far as I yeah. Concerned. It's a, it, it's you a know. new it's a new level. It adds a, a new dimension, if you will, to uh, to art. And I will have people mm. when I'm down at the uh, the gallery, and you know they'll be looking at the art and oh this is cute this is sweet and then they'll say oh this animates and they're like what and then once you show them the the animation on your phone with the animation the sound effects the music they're just blown away by the technology i it's i I just had someone today when we were down at the gallery says how does this work how do you do this and i just said well it's magic and then he said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> he bought that. So, and then, and then some folks are saying, "Oh, this is coming from Vienna, Vienna, Austria." I'm like, "Wow, Vienna, Austria!" So, it is a new dimension. I know that a lot of augmented reality art that I've seen is more representational. It's you know, there might be a landscape, a nice impressionistic landscape, and the augmented reality is. You know, clouds roll in, uh, there's thunder and lightning and it rains and there's a nice gentle rain effect to it. So it's very pleasing. I'm taking a slightly different track on that with, you know, trying to develop characters and tell short stories with these characters. So there is a little bit of a, you don't know what you're going to see. I mean, I've got one, one particular image where it's Gallagher is just looking up and going, uh oh, but you don't know what the uh-oh is until you play the augmented reality. And then it takes you into a completely different mm-hmm. direction. And so there's a there's the, the surprise element yeah. of it, which I, I particularly like. Now, of course, these animations are only maybe 45 seconds at the most because... Well, I think it's a... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the experts say, you know, people get tired of holding their phone up after 45 seconds. They want to go look at something else. This is short attention span theater at its techiest. <laughs> well, and, and I think it's important to point out, right? You, first and foremost, you're a storyteller. I mean, sure, you're an artist, but you're, your art is in service to the story that you're telling. And I'm guessing yes. that the tech and the AR is empowers your storytelling and sort of elevates it to another level. Oh, absolutely. Actually, one of the techniques that I was trying to come up with to tell a more complete story in just a still image before I learned about AR for art. I mean, I knew AR existed previously, but not for art, not this way. I actually did an image and I did it like it was on the cover of a 
magazine or a extra edition of the paper. So it's got a headline. It's got the masthead. It's it and it tells the story in text. What's going on? Like you would, like you're in the checkout lane at the grocery store and you see the Inquirer or whatever, you know, and it's got these, you know, big headlines. But of course, now with augmented reality, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. So I can tell the story via the animation, which is, it, it takes longer. I mean, it, it's, there is, you know, technology does make the, uh, make the, doing the animation easier, but it's, you know, it's still thought process. It's still work. You still have to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. So you know there's there's still some effort involved there. It's, uh, well, that that but that your point, and I totally hear you. Your point it bumps into this bigger question about process. Yes, and and you know creatives and artists and designers and creators all have some kind of process. Tell us about yours. How would you describe your creative process? Well, everything starts with a pencil drawing and. Then I just start fleshing it out from there. I will bring it into the computer for layout and color composition, do a color study, if you will. As far as what the theme is going to be in the subject, I will. I had an art professor years ago in college who said, do not consider your own mind to be the most fertile tramping grounds. In other words, get out there. If you want to do... If you want to do something with an outer space or rocket ships or the moon, then you start looking at other things like that. If you want to do something with social commentary, then you need to read some social commentary. If you want to do, you know, a trek through the woods, then you need to look at some other stuff which involves that, that material. I mean, you don't want to copy it, of course, but you do want it to inspire you. Mm-hmm. You know, to get some, uh, get to make things, make things click. And that's, uh, so that, that, that's the first step. And then, of course, do the pencil drawings, bring them into the computer. I do the layout, the color studies. Now, some of my art is purely digital because once we got this gallery space, I knew I had to produce a lot of stuff very quickly. So I was doing it digitally. And then, of course, all, all the animation, of course, is digital. But I also have a number of pieces that are, you know, the old old school, you know, hand-drawn, hand-painted, watercolor, acrylic, uh, archival inks, what have you, to come up with the, with the end result that's actually similar looking to the digital work. It's because my digital work has a rough quality to it. And part of the process, uh, one of the finishing touches on some of that work is I have an app that will allow me to slightly offset the colors so that it looks like it was uh, like the old comic books or old comic strips where the the colors don't register exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might have a dot pattern in it. And it just gives it a nice texture. There was a time back in the 90s you did, uh, in the early 2000s, you did everything you could to make everything as crisp and as clean as you possibly could. And now people like the uh, the textured look, which I do. So it's just kind of a kind of a flip to it. I suppose everything being so crisp and so precise, they like to see the wrinkles and the dot patterns and stuff. Daryl, I'm not going to lie. I'm 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 suspect of your creative process, my friend, because I didn't hear anything about ideas in the shower or i didn't hear anything about coffee or whiskey or or any of these things <laughs> where what, what what is going on well 
I don't have that many ideas in the shower, but what, what I will do though is I'll read some of this stuff right before I go to bed. Uh, oh, really? And, you know, so I just you sort of let this, you know, I'll, I'll wake up at you know seven in the morning. I'm like, oh, this is a clever idea, mm. you know. And it's just based on what I poured into myself. You know, I mean, I might be watching a movie, I might be watching Dune or whatever, and and go, oh, that gives me an idea for a strip. You know, was, you, yes. you don't have sandworms com- giant sandworms coming up you know maybe it's you know giant cucumbers or you know, whatever you know it's, uh, <laughs> spitballing here but <laughs> exactly exactly well who doesn't like a giant cucumber so <laughs> i mean good, you, know, it's, you know as long as it as long as i you know doesn't eat me before i can eat it yeah well daryl this, this is it's you know it's fascinating right i just love hearing people's artists you know hearing them talk about the creative process and and how it comes to life because for so many people out there, it's pure magic. You know, they just, you know, artists are, you know, for so many people, artists are like magicians, right? Because artists are pulling, inventing things out of thin air. And yet at the end of the day, those of us who know the truth, (laughs) it's like with anything else, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and uh, 10, 20, 30,000 hours, you know. Exactly. Yes. It's like, you know, nobody wakes up one morning and says, gee, I can play the violin. You know, they have to work at it, right? The mm-hmm. same thing, of course, is true with art and the creative process. So it, Absolute, yeah, it, it is a lot of work, a lot of research, a lot of just pulling from all sorts of resources. And, you know, vetting. I mean, sometimes the stuff that happens actually does kind of feel like magic, but you know it comes from all of the, uh, you know, like you might struggle with a piece to get it right. And then sometimes you'll sit down and, you know, in four hours, you've got a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Where well, I think it was you've worked, on, you've worked on for four days. It's like, yeah, this is junk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it was Chuck Close had said, "Inspiration is for amateurs." Right. So, you know, at, right. At the end of the day, it's a job. You show up and you make the donuts every day. And some of those donuts are going to be perfect. And some of those donuts are going to get burned. And yeah, you just, I, I don't, you know, I don't wait for inspiration to, to strike you. You go out and you make your inspiration. You dig for it. That's so true. You hunt for that inspiration. That's so true. That's so true. Well, and one of the things that I appreciate about what you're doing, because I mean, I know you now you're even looking into NFTs, aren't you? Yeah. I'm, you know, like so many others, never heard of NFTs until, you know, what was it, May of last year or something. And so, yeah, I've been listening to a number of seminars and stuff. And of course, doing digital work and doing these cute little characters and all that stuff would be perfect for NFTs. You know, there were some drawbacks that, that kept me from going too deeply in it initially because because of the carbon footprint that mm. they have and the amount of energy consumption that, that they use. But now that a lot of that stuff, the mining of the cryptocurrency has been moved out of China, they're not using coal, they're using greener technologies. And there's even some, some new companies that are like 99% more efficient than what it used to be. So, mm. yeah, you know, I, I felt I, I kind of felt bad about doing a piece of art that was about environmental issues, knowing that oh well, okay, but so yeah, I just used enough power to to run a small village <laughs> for a week <laughs> to do this. But now, but that, but that that is changing. So that's good news. Well, that's exciting. And, and you're right. I mean, all of these technologies have pros and cons, and especially when they're new. And, you know, the car, right, was incredibly inefficient. Right. 
you know, and has become more and more efficient and more and more ecologically uh, sustainable. So will the blockchain, so will NFTs and crypto. Yes. So that's, I, I'm excited for you that you're exploring that. I look forward to hearing more and tracking with you that whole journey. And I'm guessing you, once you do have NFTs that are minted and for, available for sale, I'm guessing you're going to be exhibiting them at the Artsville space at the marquee property that you have the the space in, correct? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we've got, you know, Asheville is a big uh, tourist town. We get uh, 10 million visitors a year or something. And I mean, what I would love to have in, in moving Gallagher forward is I'm going to be engaging in a little more world building for him because right now he exists just as these, as, as a cute little character in these essentially standalone images and stories. So that kind of introduces you to the character, but I want to build his world. I'm, so I'm developing a concept where he can logically do anything. Even if, even if it's something fantastic, so it can range from the ordinary, you know, to the amazing. Or, you know, he can fly an airplane, or he can rescue that whale, or he can fly on the back of a bee. But I do want there to be a you know, some sort of workable concept, a world for that. And ideally, I'd love to have a space that has be a little more, a little bit more immersive. Mm. So not only would there be original art and prints on the walls, but there could be, you know, maybe some large animated murals, a big screen TV playing a, a three or four minute cartoon, a, mm-hmm. a animated art projected on the floor and the ceilings, or maybe a puppet show, or maybe some fun things behind different doors. And yes, I would uh, let people know these are NFTs as well. Mm-hmm. Have an area to say, hey, go, you know, go go to this website and buy some NFTs. Well, so, but you're. As I understand it, your work right now is on display at yes. the Artsville Gallery at Marquee as we speak, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got about 20 images up there. They're not not all of them are Gallagher. There is uh, one other character that I'm developing, and it is Jacody, which is a magical woodland spirit, big, fluffy, happy guy. So his work is really... His artwork is more calming, like he would appear magically in a tree, and then he has a magic flute, and he will play a soothing tune. And in his world, there's also like a magical, whimsical, spotted flying bunny. And when it takes flight with a little fairy on his back flying through the sky, and I've got clouds animating in the background, and there's all sorts of little clouds flipping past him and feathers and just fun, gentle stuff, nice, calming music. And I find that women particularly are drawn to those two concepts. Men usually aren't, but the women are drawn to both Gallagher and and to that. I actually had a couple in, a younger couple, a few weeks ago, and they bought one of the more crazy Gallagher concepts where he's in a flying ice cream truck that lands on a giant ice cream cone and they're dancing with he's out there dancing with large anthropomorphic ice cream cones and then they also bought a jacoti print which is this nice sweet gentle gentle creature so it's always interesting to 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 see what and why people like the art that they do Absolutely. And now with the new Artsville gallery space, you'll be able to sort of observe that more and more and more. And, you know, I want to 
take a few minutes out to sort of talk about Artsville because sure. it's a project actually in all transparency and all candor is near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes. Because Artsville is not just your gallery space there at Marquee, but Artsville is a podcast that you and I have in partnership with your organization, Sandhill Artist Collective, and your better half, your, your, your life partner, your business partner, Louise Glickman. We have all partnered to develop the Artsville podcast to help explain how Asheville became Artsville, to help celebrate and elevate American contemporary arts and crafts from Asheville and beyond. And so we have we have this amazing podcast that you're on, that you're not just on, but you're developing and producing in partnership with my organization, Crew West. And yes. and so now we and you and you have this exhibition space at Marquee. So my friend, we are uh, wheeling and dealing. We're rocking. <laughs> We're rocking, and we we've gotten nothing but but great uh, feedback and praise for the uh, podcast uh, so far there. I mean, we're also, we're also being approached by a number of uh, higher profile entities wanting to partner with us to do uh, some podcast. That's so exciting. So great. It's so great for Asheville, that number one, right? I mean, it's great for Asheville. It's great for the artists in Asheville. It's great for culture and the art scene and culture in Asheville. And because the reason for doing this podcast is because then suddenly Asheville and the artists there through the Artsville podcast are now global. Anybody around uh, the the world who understands English can listen and learn about Asheville and the amazing artists there as they are now learning about you and your artwork as they hear this podcast today. Yeah, so the, the podcasts are, are just they're fabulous. You know, because so many podcasts are just, you know, some guy sitting at a microphone, you know, jabbering and we've got you know we've have our own theme song from your uh, great friend and dan ubik shout out dan ubik yes. so yes. so so shout what are people dan. saying what are people saying about the music are they appreciating it as much as we do oh they're they're it's it's toe tapping <laughs> <laughs> it's catchy yeah it's catchy they they can't get it out of their out of their head so we had an event down at the marquee about three weeks ago and it was we had it playing on, on a loop with uh, a couple other things and you know Folks would run over and like, what is this? It's your own theme song, huh? This is big time. Well, you know, listen, I mean, what we're trying to do, right, is to address one of the greatest challenges that that any artist has, especially emerging artists, right? Which is that we are we want to support them and elevate them, give them a platform to help tell their stories and promote their work. And, you know, that's that's a big mission. Part of the reason why we teamed up is because we share we share those values, you know, between my organization, Crew West Studio and your organization, San Hilaris Collective. And through the other work that I'm doing in terms of, you know, our Not Relard podcast and the, the common theme through all of it is helping artists tell their stories and promote their work to the world. And that is that's a wonderful thing that you're doing, because, of course, the, one of the biggest difficulties for artist is discoverability just letting people know that you exist i mean they're not going to like or dislike your work if they don't know about it so and that same thing is just with writers too if you go to i mean there are just in our river arts district in Asheville, which is where our marquee is i mean there's like 280 artists and craftspeople there just there i mean you could i mean Somebody could spend a day just in Marquee, which is like 50,000 square feet and I think like 80 different vendors. Now, they're not all 
artist or 2D artist or even craftspeople, but it's just filled with fabulous stuff. Talent, just original handmade objects of creative beauty. Yes. Yes. And, and, it, and it's just it's just being discovered. I, that's one of the great things that I've heard from a number of sources when they do look at my art. And the augmented reality, people will say, well, thank you for showing me something that I didn't know existed. Mm. And I go, ooh, that, 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 is, that is so pleasing to hear. So we, we, have, a, we have a guy who is, runs a uh, very hip movie theater, and he wants some of my art to put in his lobby. Because it, it goes perfect. It is a selected short subject, a selected very short subject, <laughs> which is things they used to have in the movies back in the day. You see the old marquees with mm. the old theater marquees, you know, that would say you're now playing whatever and selected short subjects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we, we're lucky people, right? Because not only do we get to express ourselves creatively every day, but we also get to you know, work on projects like this meant to give back and, and support our community and our colleagues. Because, you know, at the end of the day, right, I mean, artists, let's be clear. I mean, given a choice, artists just want to make work. They don't want to yeah. have to worry about promotion and marketing. Many of them do and do quite well with marketing and promotion, promoting their work. But, you know, if there were more organizations like ours who were sort of yeah. built built to amplify you know, and do that work for them, you know, we would be adding real value to their lives. Yeah. Even at our, our small event this morning, when the Williams was presenting the speakers and telling, was talking a little bit about Sand Hill Artist Collective and Artsville. And she mentioned, of course, our guest artist, which we change every quarter. We had at least one person, maybe two people in the, in our small gathering said, Ooh, I want to be a guest artist. <laughs> So <laughs> take a number. You know, how do I do this? <laughs> Sign right here. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's good because, you know, people are, I mean, well, I know some artists who have a bedroom that is just filled from floor to ceiling with canvases that, that they painted and they have no, no outlet. Well, that's a very so, interesting reality. In fact, that I've found myself pondering a lot about, which is, you know, thinking about all of the surplus of art, right, that is sitting yes. unsold in someone's studio, in someone's house, in, you know, and what what of that? What will become of that? What how is there is there an opportunity there? You know, it's a really interesting issue. And because a lot of artists, of course, you know, I mean, we all eventually go away. Many artists aren't prepared for that. And, you know, their families or their, you know, their, 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 their loved ones are left behind to sort out, you know, those canvases sure. and maybe they're not cataloged. There's no, you know, certificates yeah. of authenticity. I mean, like just, you know, all of these different issues that get raised, that, that get sure. raised. And, and it's, it's, I sort of, uh, I, I sort of start fantasizing of like building a warehouse and, and opening an art storage company for artists and it's like, just ship us your art. We'll store it. Can you imagine the collection of, of art that would range oh from brilliant to less so? But oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they, they, unfortunately, there would be a lot of not so's. But there's also a lot of great art out there that nobody ever sees. Yeah. And, of course, that is one of the, I mean, I do love physical art, you know, stuff that you, that's, you know, on a canvas or a cradled wood panel or something that you can touch mm. and hang on the mm. wall and use augmented reality to make it come to life. 
But one of the appeals of uh, digital is, you know, you could store your life works on a thumb drive. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's you right. 16 gigabyte. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, hey, you know, just put it in your pocket. Well, and, the, and, the, yeah, and yeah. to your point, I mean, you know, this new revolution in art tech, whether it's, you know, AR, VR, whether it's NFTs, whether it's the metaverse, it all is sort of preferential, uh, if that's the right word, preferential to digital artists. I mean, digital artists finally have an opportunity they did, they didn't have before. Yeah, I mean, I've been a digital. I was an early adapter of digital art, even back when I was doing the commercial mm. work, because I could just do it so much quicker. Mm. And of course, in the invariable, uh, invariably, there would be changes from you know the client. You know, they want you know, just, yeah, you know, the character that wear glasses or not wear glasses or change the color of his shirt or whatever doing doing it digitally you know is just so much easier so yeah because in the past you know you do digital art it's and then you still had to print it make a hard copy sure. of it but we could really sell it or do anything with right. it and you know but now you know with nfts and and uh, other avenues it's uh there's another source. It's there. exciting. That's right. And, and, you know, my whole thing for artists, and I've said this time and time again, is that, you know, artists would do themselves a, a big favor if they embrace the fact that they're in the intellectual property business, right? Yes. They're not making widgets. A lot of, a lot, a lot of folks think they are making widgets like, well, I'm painting a painting. Yeah. I'm going to sell this painting and then I'm done. I'm going to paint another painting and then, you know, sell that painting. And they're not thinking of it as, no, 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 this is proprietary intellectual property right that right. i well that's that's what i'm doing with uh, you know building gallagher's world because i did have a, an ip that was optioned for animation mm -hmm. uh, about four or five mm -hmm. years ago and by a, a animation studio in la and they pitched mm -hmm. it to you know all the big guys mm -hmm. it uh, it didn't go into production but still that it held a great potential yes. for something that was initially designed as you know just a series of drawings and they said oh we like this we like the concept so that is a great example well and by and by the way just because it didn't work before doesn't mean it can't work again you know what i mean like it's sure. just a new you know you go to you wait a year or two you go out to new people and and you yeah. know better luck uh, perhaps you know yeah yeah it's just like it, yeah it, there's it's time timing. timing that's what the animation studio said man it's just it's time and as a matter of fact if we had been like a year mm -hmm. earlier it would have stood a better chance of being picked yes. up. Yes, yes. Because the the trend that it was pursuing was, uh, you know, about eight months behind the curve. So. Yes, well, it's that's the story of my life. I'm either, you know, months or years <laughs> behind the curve or in front of the curve. If I could just somehow, yeah, you know, know, be in the moment. <laughs> like, yeah, well, like you say, you got you to have 10 things going to, you know, for one of them to, Hopefully one of them to catch on. Or that's that's absolutely true. Daryl Slayton, I tell you, it's a joy to have you on this show. Before we wrap up today, tell the listeners where they can find you online. Tell them where the Artsville Gallery is at Marquee. Give them all the details. Certainly. Well, my website is Tales, T-A-I-L-S, talesofwhimsy.com. I am on Instagram. I'm fairly new to Instagram, but I, but I am posting regularly now. And that is at Daryl Slayton, D-A-R-Y-L-S-L-A-T-O-N. And uh, Marquis is located in the River Arts District in Asheville, North Carolina. It's a bunch of old converted uh, warehouses. And that is off 
well, if you're in Asheville, there's all sorts of guides, guidebooks, but it's off Lyman Street and Found, Foundy Street. The uh, marquee is, uh, which is where Artsville is located, is 36 Foundy Street. I thought they had misspelled Foundry, but it's F-O-U-N-D-Y. It's Foundy. I don't know why it's Foundy, but <laughs> don't 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 don't, don't ask, don't question. Just <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I may not like the answer. <laughs> foundy people, Foundy, F-O-N-D-Y. <laughs> and hey, by the way, the skate park is right across the street. So you know, just yes, look for the right. skate park. <laughs> look for the skate park is they got outdoor skating and indoor skating, roller skates and skateboards. Yep, and plus this this has a it's named marquee and it has a massive marquee out front. It's a huge building. You can't so miss it. It's right there. Huge yeah. building covered with very nice graffiti murals uh, on all sides. But it's yeah, it's it's got a huge marquee and it and the marquee says marquee and it's M A R Q U E E. Not like a French marquee. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Daryl Slayton, I am uh, honored that you came on the show today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and share your story with us and with our audience. Well, thank you very much. I enjoy being here and I'm always great talking with you. Fantastic. See you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Not Real Art Podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Not Real Art is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles. Our theme music was created by Ricky Peugeot and Desi DeLauro from the band Parlor Social. Not Real Art is created by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Not Real Art. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating creative culture and the artists who make it.